The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> Coming to you live late on a Sunday night um, with gremlins and all, but a, hopefully a speedy show. Uh, is myself, Ryder Cat, and you can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound effects. If you have heard, come from another than a man in Brooklyn. One agent underscore seventy on Twitter on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Uh, happy born day to uh, Christopher Wallace, the notorious B.I.G. Uh, just uh, the other day. We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! And also happy, uh, happy belated birthday to Busta Bus, Busta Rhymes, also 50. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's plenty of other people, but those two are in the preview uh, <laughs> between us right now. Uh, you this can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Um, you can also find us normally uh, on Thursday nights when we record live. Hopefully, we're going to get back to that schedule. We this the last couple of weeks have been kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, for various reasons. That's exactly. the weirdest part. Yes, and that's all we have to say about that. Obviously, last week was a movie protocol, and this week was just things have happened. So that's all we got to say. Uh, yeah. But normally, like I said, uh, Twitch.tv slash Comic Chronicles and YouTube.com slash The Click Nation, where we record live. Every Thursday, yeah, make sure to like and su- hit like and subscribe and leave us all the good reviews. Five stars. Yep, yep. Man, I am washed, washed out. There we go. Turn that down a little bit. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna actually do something a little bit different because it's so late and because of um because of the Sunday light. Normally we would have a normal show, but like I said, we started late. We're just gonna rapid fire the books um real quick. So spin it up. Here we go. I ain't got time to breathe. And hopefully this is going to make the time codes, me doing the time codes this week go very faster. That's That would be mm. great. All right. So uh, do you want to go ahead and start off with yours? Sure. I'm going to target books that we had in common. So 
Uh, Fantastic Four number 43 is written by Dan Slott with art by Rachel Stott and Andrea DeVito. Co- uh, collar art by Jesus Abertov and letters by our favorite lettering Python, VC's Joe Caramagna. So um, this is the latest episode, the latest chapter in the Reckoning War and things are definitely moving. We get a little bit of uh, progress not just on um, like the main battlefront but lots of the side quests and the side battlefronts like, uh, you know, everyone um, you know, you know, basically everything is moving forward in increments in this issue, like mm-hmm. every stage of the battle, you know, from from the various parts of the Fantastic Four to their children to Doctor Doom, who is making big moves and kind of showing uh, uh, what kind of progress he's making and what his <laughs> ulterior motives have been this entire time. Which say hey, wouldn't be Doom if there weren't, right? Exactly. So. But yeah, I was. Uh, we we definitely started out with. Um, I, I had to bring this part up real quick though. The, the part where um, we see one particular quest that happened, almost a side quest, where the uh, the cormorant, I believe that's what his name is, is looking for pieces of armor, and he's plowing mm. through various uh, groups and people to get it, including a couple that I hadn't heard, seen, or heard of, and one that I'm actually reading about. Or, or that just came up recently in reading uh, She-Hulk's uh, 2005 book, which probably, as I suspect, might show up on the show. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a there, there was that whole thing, and uh, there was a whole little a panel or two dealing with the Great Lakes Avengers, and um, <laughs> the uh, the the camera says. Um, Yes, there was no one here that was unbeatable, and which was uh, Squirrel Girl laying right there in front of him. Which I exactly was like a clear metatextual reference. Mm-hmm. I was like, I had a clear laugh about that. I was like, okay, yes, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and just that's kind of funny. Not that I, I hate it for her, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I was like, okay, that was too funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't. I kind of wonder if um, Slot talked to. Um, was it? Was, is it? Um, was it Jody Hauser who was doing Squirrel Girl last? Can't remember. Um, whoever was doing the, uh, Squirrel Girl the, the last couple of volume, few volumes of was that like Ryan North or something? It or? might have been actually. Yeah, but I think the Unbeatable was before he did. I can't remember. Regardless, whoever it was, I was like, I kind of went to slide right. went to them, them and was like, yeah, I'm about to do something to your character here. <laughs> right. So just real quick, I mean. Have I just, you know, lost track of all these armor pieces? Like, were these characters all carrying previously equipped with these, like, pieces of, like, green tech? So and two of have them... have been for many years? Yes. Two of them that I knew of, yes. Like the, Okay. The, that's the interesting. Of, you know, arm, that slot chose to weave, the, you know, that story together through, you know, these characters. Right. Now, one made sense, because like I said, because it, it's just him reusing a character that he had used before. Like, Southpaw was the one that had the left arm, and that was the one from She-Hulk's, um, from his She-Hulk run. Right. And the Gauntlet character, wasn't that from Civil War? Um, I, or, like, the Initiative? Well, yeah, the Initiative. Yeah, Avengers Initiative. So, yeah, that was a cut right there. That was, a, that was kind of a deep cut right there. I'm like, I did not realize that those two 
I, I guess because of this basically saying that they had the pieces of the same armor. Right. What then then slot put together here, which I did not recognize. So, and I, I can't remember, uh, I forgot where those other pieces were for, were, were uh, from, except for the, the head dude. But I was like, yeah, I did not realize those those uh, armor pieces were tied like that. Right, well, or or just retconned right. to tie together. Right. So we don't know. I was like, grasshopper legs. I'm like, which character is that? But, you know, uh, uh, Slot did oh, yeah. have an, an initiative book, right? That's probably true. Yeah, I didn't read all those so, things. So, you know, I, I, you, I have to give him some credit for literally laying the groundwork for this story for decades. Which, you know, as we have seen him do, you know, with, with other characters, we have, we have seen him go the long haul uh, with some stuff. Yeah, so, I'm pretty sure Slot had one of those initiative books. He probably did. I wouldn't be surprised. That I didn't check the. I, I didn't check, but like I said, I knew about Gauntlet. I knew about South Power from from Sea Hulk, um, right? And the dude that was in with the the Warriors. I'm like, yeah, I don't remember who the heck that dude was with the legs. So, at any rate, um, this was yeah, a, no, he wrote Avengers: The Initiative. Yeah. Okay, so he did there write that. Is. Okay, yeah. Like I said, I didn't really read all that, but I remember reading some of it. Mm-hmm. Just I didn't really go through all of that because it was like, and okay. so he, yeah, so that means he was weaving stuff th- like through She Hulk into Avengers: The Initiative. Wow! <laughs> like this, shout out to Slot because I, I, you can say one anything about him. I know there are people out there that don't like him, but this is the kind of stuff I like with Slot. You know, yeah. sometimes like he'll he'll take some time, he'll bring some stuff up. He, he might not use it for a while and. He just so happened to bring it back. Now I don't even know if he was planning to do this that, that far ahead in the bands, but like I said, he it just so happened is like, well, I can just use this and this and this from stuff that I used in the past. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but yeah, righty. But yeah, Fantastic Four forty three is pretty good. Um, I'm waiting to see how this thing ends up. All righty. What's next? Uh, what you got next? Okay, so uh, another book that we both have in common is Iron Fist number three of five. This uh-huh. is a miniseries introducing the latest incarnation of the Iron Fist of Kun Lun. It's written by Alyssa Wong with pencils by Michael uh, w- w- with Michael Ig and Sean Chen, inks by Michael Ig and Victor Olafaba and Keith Champagne and. Don Ho. Colors are by J. David Ramos and letters are by VC's Travis Lanham. So I am not shy about uh, telling anyone who wants to hear, including our podcast audience as well as our very own at Roddy Cat, that I am no fan of this Swordmaster character and the fact that they are basically shoehorning him into this Iron Fist transformation you know, just does not, just doesn't sit right with me. So, um, I'm, I'm not hate reading this, but it's, it's pretty annoying to me. Hmm. And, you know, I, I just feel like the, the characters that have been introduced are just not sympathetic at all. And that's where my big problem is. You know, I, I, I understand why there's uh, been a lot of retconning and why there's a lot of, changing of the, the 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 basic stories around Kunlun, but ultimately it's unappealing for me at least. So 
Uh, I'll leave it at that. There's not much that I can actually remember about whatever it is that happens in the story, so I can't tell you <laughs> or even give you a brief synopsis. So, so I can, I can remember. Off to Rodicat. Yeah, I can remember a couple of things, and like we don't necessarily have to really go through because like, this is we're in the midpoint of this book. Uh, I'm not. I'm what I'm more curious about is where this is going because, like Agent Seven, I'm not too. I was never too fond of Sword Magister, even though I was reading the book because I was like I was hoping he was going to get some redemption and right. he sl- it almost seemed like he did but he wasn't really and then they gave him Iron Fist and then I hated it because of like we had perfect good good Iron Fist in pay we already talked about this so we don't need to go back on yep. that um but like age of seven I was like yeah I'm not I'm, I'm not too crazy about him and I'm hoping he's going to get some redemption or pass it on even though technically he is Iron Fist in name and similar power set but not necessarily because he uh, he got he, he got the iron fist in a different way in fact he was right. given the iron fist if i'm not mistaken iron right. fist and then he has his pieces of his uh sword that is in his arm which not i remember there's at least one or two pieces that he don't have because some there's another character that has it so i, I can't imagine um where they're going to do with all of that but nevertheless all that is to say is uh, i I would hope they give it up, or I would hope they do good. They, they they make something good with him in the next two issues because I, I hope he's not going to be Iron Fist for too much longer. Yeah, that's yeah. about I can All say. Alrighty, alrighty. What's next? How about Silk number five of five? So this is the last issue of this uh, latest miniseries starring Cindy Moon. It's written by Emily Kim with art by Takeshi Miyazawa, who is a favorite of the show. Colors are by Ian Herring, who we all know and trust with colors on uh, these younger teenage hero, especially the female younger teenage heroes. So you know uh, he is of the um, uh, he, he is of the Ms. Marvel fame. So we know that Ian Herring delivers the colors for this this type of book. And letters are by VCs Ariana Maher. So uh, we have reached the final issue of uh, Silk's battle confrontation with the evil Korean witch that was unlocked when uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, was awakened from a sarcophagus at the Metropolitan Museum in New York. It's a 400-year-old Korean witch, and that witch started draining the energy of uh, young celebrities and influencers and ultimately got some energy from Cindy Moon. And now Cindy has to uh, go about trying to restore herself and all the others with J. Jonah Jameson in tow. And uh, things don't go well immediately, but they do turn out for the best because it is the last issue. So things, you know, do have to uh, turn around. And, you know, there is kind of like an obvious... um, uh, You know, there's an obvious weakness to the Switch... But, you know, it does take some time to reveal itself and, uh, you know, and, and, and Tak Miyazawa and Ian Herring do a good job of highlighting it without being, I mean, it's obvious, but it's not completely obvious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the issue, we do have some uh, character development 
for Cindy as well as some of the surrounding supporting supporting characters in the book. Yeah, the only thing I the, I do love the fact that look basically Cindy got her mojo back after all of the uh, the introspective introspection she's been going through in the, in this uh in, during this um this miniseries. I hated the, the fact that the influences got their youth back also, but you know, yeah. he, it was a part of uh, breaking the cycle, breaking the spell as, as it were. So there was that. Yeah. It's part of saving the day for Cindy in this, in the story. Yeah. And do love that. The, the, the J Jonah Jameson uh, rooting section, <laughs> the cheering section there for a second was pretty good also. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I can safely say that uh, agent 70 and I both love, um, Silk like Silk a lot, and kind of hate to see her go. Hopefully, she will um, will return in another book. Uh, right. With I mean, that seems to be scene. yeah. That that seems to be their business plan with Silk right now is to offer up you know five or six issue arcs with different creators mm-hmm. uh, or different writers at least. There you go. Yeah. To because I I think Talk Me has always been the same Silk artist for a couple of volumes and of Ian these Herring, miniseries. Actually. Yeah, and Erin Herring for, been it for the most of it. Yeah, right. So th- that's what it seems like. You know, unfortunately, they keep um, uh, rebooting it with number ones because they're individual. You know, they're they're these kind of little miniseries. But uh, it, it's great that Cindy Moon is getting some shine yep. uh, as uh, AAPI Heritage Month comes to a close. Indeed. Next up. Next up is New Mutants number 25. It's written by Vita Ayala with art by Rod Reese and John or Jan Dersema. Colors are by Ruth Redmond and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. So this issue is interesting. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. The art is engaging. Mm-hmm. Rod Reese's art is you know, there, there's just a lot to it. There are these great one-page uh, uh, kind of splash pages that tell so much story, even though there's plenty of exposition in them. Uh, you know that that help to move move the, the the plot along. This book is beautiful to look at, and uh, there really is some there's some obvious uh, double crossing in the works here. You know, you're dealing with a character. Uh, by the name of the Goblin Queen, and you know nothing good is going to happen with this character. If you're not familiar with Madeline Pryor's alter ego, go back to Inferno, because that's where this story is going back to. Mm -hmm. Although, I don't know, like they have been doing a pretty good job of redeeming some of the more irredeemable mutants, like that whole thing with Shadow King uh, that just um that just ended up so i am very curious is to see if that is actually where they're going with this where and that's where it seemed like they're going so i don't know if there's going to be any double cross by her part might even be more of a redemption for her in this well i'll i'm more of the wait and see true in that in on that note but you, you may be right i may be crazy shout out to billy joel I mean, you are definitely more along in the lines of Danny and uh, Rain, in right? This, because they are they are pretty much naysaying this whole thing uh, that Iyana uh, is trying to do the whole way through. So, which I mean, to be fair, understandable. But at the same time, like you know, especially with Rain and that whole Shadow King thing, which you know. <laughs> 
there was some poor judgment on that in in a couple of different ways. You know, shouldn't shouldn't be kind of doing that. But at the same time, here we are. Right. And 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 before we go, uh, before we move on, it's interesting that this book definitely, you know, it's not a retcon. It's really kind of filling in a lot of the gaps because you know we've we've seen bits and pieces of uh, Ilyana's. Uh, time in limbo when she was, you know, basically forced to grow up, mm-hmm. um, you know, in 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 uh, the the earlier days of uh, New Mutants. So it's interesting to see that period being revisited in the pages of this book. So I kind of wonder about that part because they definitely revisited. I want to believe they were that the backstory that they revisited kind of harkens back to her. And Storm's, uh, Storm's, her and Storm's miniseries. Technically, it's her miniseries that was right. during that whole time. I don't mm-hmm. know if you, did you ever read that. I own it, but oh. I got it as a hand-me-down part of my collection, so I've actually never read it. I think I also own it, but also have never read it. Also, and <laughs> actually, this is kind of making me want to do it, just kind of see if there's anything, you know, anything that they, what else they might bring up from it, but. I right, guess you don't necessarily have to because they get it, they bring up the finer points in this thing. So, but yeah, like I said, we'll wait and see what happens with the whole thing. So I'm, but uh, I'm very curious as to if this is going to play out the way they're trying to make it. Mm-hmm. All right, next up. All right, next up is oh, you didn't read Immortal X Men number two, but you read X Men Red number two. I did, yes. X Men Red number two is written by Al Ewing. Favorite of the show with art by Stefano Caselli. Colors are by Federico Blee. And letters are by VC's Corey Pettit. So we catch up with the uh, Brotherhood of Good Mutants, or at least uh, Neutral uh, neutral Good Mutants. Oh, no, there's a D&D reference. Um, On uh, on Araco slash Mars. And, uh, you know... There is plenty of a foot based on the characters that have been brought together to uh, be part of the ensemble on Araco. And, you know, there are plenty of characters being put together that have pre-existing conflicts as well as, um, you know, characters that are being brought together to create new ones. So... You know, it's only issue number two, and it's it's interesting for to me to see where this might go. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you there, and I'm also so. I know I need to I need to go back and read Immortal to see if there's any titles, but I don't don't think there is. But um, uh, I am I am kind of curious as to what they're trying to, to trying to achieve with this book because it doesn't. At first blush, it's like, okay, so we got these groups and it's a Rocco facing and whatever the case may be. But I'm like, you got the whole Abigail brand thing going on. Right. Like, that's a, sub- that's a subplot that only the reader knows about. Right. So I am curious as to how that's going to tie into the whole bigger, bigger uh, stem thing or whether they're just going to keep this into this book or not. So I'm I'm very curious about that. And I know that I think this is kind of supposed to be like a, a leading vehicle for like Storm. Since she is the mm. region of uh, Araco, and this is where it's set, so very, very curious about how, what they're going to do with that. And I know yeah. they're supposed to be doing something with her. This and year. it's interesting that you know they're, they're they're using this as a vehicle to explore Vulcan again, right? And Cable seems to be, you know, this seems to be the one book where Cable is playing a decent role. 
<laughs> well, except for that one part, you know. But yeah, guess we'll, we'll find out what the what all that's about. <laughs> yep. Another, another summer's in the fold. Yep. All right. Next up. All righty. Uh, and I think that is it for the books that we have in common. Okay. So uh, you wrap up your books, and then I will seriously rapid fire what I have left because I read a lot this week. Okay. Sure. Um, actually, yeah, I guess so. Shoot, I only got two books left. Guess what, folks? It's back. Savage Avengers number one. It is back again, but probably not for too much longer. <laughs> because, right. as we have come to find out recently, um, Marvel's lost the Conan license. But the the creative team is writer David Pippos. I'm actually right. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I assume that's how I pronounce his name, so I apologize for yeah, if I butchered it's it. It's not Papoos, like the rapper. Yeah, no, no, it's not, not, not enough O's. Um, art, <laughs> Carlos, uh, I would be very upset if it was Papoos. Anyway, art by <laughs> Carlos uh, Magno uh, and Espen Grundigen. Wait, that's not right. That must be inks or something. And letters by VCs uh, Travis Lanham. I'm going to look that up, well, but... Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. So yeah, they restarted Savage Avengers. It it is um, it is not an official Avengers book. It is starring Conan, uh, and I will probably go ahead and spoil the fact that there's a motley f- crew of uh, folks that they put together in this. If you you can see the cover, so you can see pretty much who that is, um, and uh, because of the fact that uh, Marvel has lost. Um, uh, the Conan license, they were going to have to figure out a way to get back, uh, get him back to his time. Guess what? They did that in this issue. But the thing that is curious about this issue is the fact that there was a thing going on here with Deathlock. And if you've been reading the current Avengers book, Deathlock has kind of had a, has a, has a different, um, has a different purpose or maybe a right. similar purpose. This is kind of a similar purpose, but they're not using him the same way as, as he's being used in this book. Um, unless that's yeah, going to tie into twist. it. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely a slight twist to it. I skim this. So, but not, and not well, not closely enough to add it to my list of books. Right. So I'm, I'm curious, curious if that's going to tie into what's going on in adventures or this is just like, Oh no, this is just another death lock. That's just so happened to be time copying. <laughs> But um, we'll, we'll see how that and um, I'm, yeah, like I said, we'll see what else, you know, uh, whether they're going to end the book when the when they finally lose the license or because there's only a couple of months left because uh, I think the, this is July or I don't know what they're going to do. That's kind of weird. That's going to be kind of weird because I don't mm-hmm. think this book's going to hold up with the people that's going to be left. Yeah, the concept of Savage Avengers kind of revolves around Conan the Barbarian right. being around. So that's right. why Roddy Cat seems to be pretty doubtful that this is going to go on beyond the uh, the return of the license back right. to uh, the estate. Yeah, but, you know, if, if it does happen to shamble on like a zombie like the last volume did, then, hey, go figure. Um, let me see. My last book, though, is Batman Superman World's Finest number three. Um, uh, written by Mark Wade, art by Dan Mora, colors by... 
um, Tamara Bonvillain. Letters by Aditya Bidikar. Um, so it sounds, seems like, well, so there's this whole thing. If you haven't been reading the book, um, there's this demon called Neza that's going after all of the heroes. Uh, and up until now, they've been using villains to, uh, to use that goal. Well, that might, that kind of sort of changes in this issue or seemingly changes in this, uh, the, in the pages of this uh, issue, uh, what, not to spoil anything, but Batman and Superman is pretty much trying to um, trying to save the other heroes that are getting killed, uh, inclu- and uh, including some of their Justice League brethren and sisterin that show up in this book, and they have the help of the Doom Patrol, who's um, out um, taking one path, and then Robin and Supergirl. Which I think this whole issue, this whole book might be set in a past because I think it's Batman. It might be Tim, not Tim. It's um, it's um, um. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Nightwing, Tim. Uh, I mean that time. Uh, who's who's Nightwing? Sorry, I muted myself for a second. Dick Grayson? Dick Grayson, thank you. I think Seriously? it's Dick Grayson. You forgot the OG? Yeah, wow. I know. I it's been that kind of day, folks. It's been kind of, yeah. So, But I think this is this book is being set in uh, back in the day when, when Dick was still Robin. I'm not entirely sure about that, but that's what it seems like. So we, and so we got Robin and Supergirl, who apparently can go through time all by herself um, on one part of the case, the Doom Patrol on one part of the case, while Batman and Superman are... Um, handling things in the quote-unquote present day for them or, or the present day of this story so it's it's kind of interesting um I'm, I'm not sure where this arc is supposed to be going especially with this devil neza uh thing but um i guess we'll we'll we will we shall see and that folks is the end of the books for me all right, so I am going to run through the remaining books that I have. So Eternals number 12 is written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Isad Rabich, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So, in short, this issue basically gets us to the point where the conflict central to the Judgment Day crossover between the Eternals, the Avengers, and the X-Men uh, comes from. That is essentially the point of this issue. So if you are looking for how we get to the part or the point where Eternals, you know, in this in the in this issue in the last several issues have been in conflict with the Avengers, if you want to find out how the X-Men get drawn into this into this uh, morass, uh, read this issue. Next up wait, is wait, real quick. Does it make sense? A little. Okay. Because I hadn't a caught little. up as a concept only as a concept not necessarily as as it fits it doesn't necessarily fit into our understanding of the characters okay. but as a strict on a very kind of surface conceptual level it works gotcha okay all right all right, cool. I wasn't sure because uh, Roddy Cat's audio is still kind of, uh, he's still having some issues with it. So I, I, I wasn't sure if I was ready to move on or if he was, if he was ready for me to move on. Next up is Immortal X-Men number two. 
It's also written by Kieran Gillen with art by Lucas Vernick, uh, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So, um, Celine strikes back in this issue. So, Celine is uh, definitely not happy with the Quiet Council. And there is, you know, and she's, uh, as uh, Michael Jackson would say, want to be starting something. And things things do pop off to a great extent uh, because Celine is one of the few mutants uh, other than uh, the now um, saying that Apocalypse is departed. It's kind of weird, but I always felt like Apocalypse's, you know, grasp of magic was a very recent thing. You know, he was always so big on science when he first appeared, and now he's a magician because of the whole Hox, not Hox Pox, the Ten of Swords thing, and all that, you know, all that jazz. And so, uh, Celine, being one of the few mutants that is adept at magic, uses that ability to great effect here. And, you know, this this book is all about the infighting of the uh, current members of the Krakoan, the Krakoan Quiet Council. Um, it is also a vehicle to kind of propel the story of destiny and mystique forward as well as hope and um, uh, even Exodus. So these are characters that have not seen that much shine in the other X-Books, so it seems that uh, Immortal X-Men is a vehicle to help uh, give those characters some shine and some character development that they have lacked in other books. If you, you know, kind of want to see kind of a fun little homage to an older X-Men trope, there is one in here. I think Roddy Cat's going to read this, so I'm not going to spoil what that trope is. Um... You know, and there's plenty of references to kaiju in this in this issue. Next up is uh, Marvel's Voices Identity Number One. So I'm not going to go into the creative team teams on this because this is an anthology book. There are uh, four stories contained herein. They are uh, actually pretty interesting as far as these uh, Marvel identities, Marvel's voices book that is, uh, go. Um, the first issue, the first story in the book is actually written by Pornsock Pichichot of, uh, who did the, uh, the good Asian with art by an artist that I am fam- personally familiar with. Uh, 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 an acquaintance of mine, Chris Lee is the artist on uh, the first story, there is an actually there's actually a nice little follow up to uh, a Ms. Marvel story, an older Ms. Marvel story in this book, as well as a, a a brief short story that I believe caught a little bit of attention in the um, the comic book news circles because of a certain development that happens to Mantis, and the only way the the best way that i can sort of semi spoil this without completely spoiling it is synergy once i say synergy you might have a very good idea of what i mean uh about with that with that uh with that word when it comes to uh mantis of uh, the guardians of the galaxy 
Next up is Nightwing number 92. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Wes Abbott. So the continuing adventures of Dick Grayson as newly minted billionaire, thanks to his inheritance from Alfred Pennyworth, continues, and his... um, crusade to make Bloodhaven an actual haven for peace and prosperity continues but the his old villain Blockbuster continues to try to um, undermine what Dick Grayson is trying to achieve and we also get the uh, extended well, uh, additional appearance that is so we have an, an additional appearance of a, what appears to be a new character, that a new villain that is being introduced for the purposes of uh, giving uh, Dick Grayson Nightwing a real run for his money as um, as a as a member of the Bat family and, and the lead character in this book. Next up is Thor, number 25. It's written by Donny Cates with art by Martin Coccolo, colors by Matt Wilson, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. So this is the latest chapter in the Banner of War crossover between two books that Donny Cates is writing, namely The Incredible Hulk, or The Hulk, that is not incredible, but just The Hulk, and Thor. This issue has the... uh, the majority of the heroes of earth trying to uh, figure out what, you know, what has become of the Hulk. Uh, Tony Stark does something very movie Tony Stark like in this issue and takes his own initiative. Meanwhile, Hulk and Thor are going at it while banner and uh, spoiler alert. Odin are having it out on uh, not the astral plane, but something akin to it. And we get uh, some more insight into what actually happened at El Paso, which was the uh, uh, mystery that uh, the current Hulk run revolves around. So it's interesting that Cates would use the four issue to kind of reveal what the mystery of the what the base mystery of the Hulk book is. Next up is Wolverine number 21. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Adam Kubert. And God bless Adam Kubert. I say this I, with no reservation that it is refreshing. And, you know, we're, we're a bunch of old heads here on this show. You know, we came up mostly reading 80s and 90s comics. And obviously, you know, we had back issues of 70s comics and even a few 60s comics given to us as we were growing up. But... We mainly read 80s and 90s books where we're heavily influenced by the art styles that were prevalent in those days. And Adam Kubert uh, really brings a lot of that back with some of the refinements that have come over time. Obviously, his skills have improved uh, techniques, lettering, uh, coloring techniques and inking techniques and digital and, and how all the digital stuff um, complements his work comes into play. But when you flip through this book, it's just sharp. The art is sharp and it is a welcome sight to my sore eyes when I compare it to some of the other books that we read. And it's just, it doesn't look as sharp. That's the best way that I can describe it without really getting, you know, without being like, you know, 
be, you know, like giving such effusive praise that it's it seems you know weird. But we have the return of um, a relatively recent X Men villain here uh, who is technologically based. Uh, uh, the biggest spoilery light hint that I will give you about this character is that it is a character that appeared during Whedon's astonishing X-Men run. If I'm not mistaken, that's where the character premiered. So, alrighty. Last but not least is X-Force number 28. X-Force number 28 is also written by Benjamin Percy with art by Robert Gill. Colors are by Guru EFX and letters are by our favorite lettering, Python. And it's nice that we're wrapping up the rapid fire comic book review section with VC's Joe Caramagna. So, uh, more technological um, uh, villains are pop up in the pages of X Force number twenty-eight, and it seems like the villain here is almost, you know, directly related. Like first, you know, forget first cousin, like literally, like first degree. Um, relation with the villain in Wolverine number 21. So it's kind of, you know, interesting that uh, this villain would be so similar to the one in Wolverine that Benjamin Percy is also writing. So, um, you know, there's some interesting things that happen here. There's a uh, some interesting character developments for one of the characters, Kate Omega, you know, Quentin Quire, who is definitely one of the stars of this X-Force book, this team book. So, um, you know, there is a little bit of uh, character development between Sage, of all people, and Omega Red. But ultimately, in this book, we are, uh, you know, if you're not a fan of Kid Omega, this is not the book for you. There's a lot of Kid Omega development going on. But, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to me. I, I don't mind reading it. And Percy seems to have a very steady hand when it comes to his corner of the X-Universe. And that is it for me. And we can move on to Clicks of the Week. Agent 70 was pretty much talking about me when you, when you said not a fan of Kenega. I said uh, you were pretty much talking about me not being a fan of uh, Kid Omega, Quentin Quire. Yeah. Listen, I know he's not the most popular character, so. Well, you know, I don't, you know, I can't stand him. Uh, but they are they are giving them growth, so I'm trying to trying to work with it. But either way, uh, clicks a week, folks. Uh, so we do have a couple of them. We have actually. Oh, actually, let me go back and look at this. Wait, no, I was about to say we're going to have a full compliment this week. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, let's see, let me go back because one of them has a note attached to it. Uh. Oh, so from Dirt, um, his click was Savage Avengers number one because he's a Deathlock mark. So that'll be his pick. He said it was stupid, but fun. Lots of action. True. <laughs> uh, that is true. And Tim, uh, I guess as to no surprise to anyone who has been uh, around these uh, comic book chronicle streets, he went with uh, X-Men Red number two because he's a big... Uh, uh, X-Men fan. So it was probably going to be one of them. Wasn't going to be that big of a surprise. Right. <laughs> uh, you got yours? Well, there are, a bunch of, there are a bunch of books in the X-Men corner of the Marvel Universe out this week. So, this is true. you know, it was, it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint what he would pick, but, 
you know, if there are plenty of Xbox, you'll probably get what choose on. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I actually have a very good idea <laughs> what mine is. So I'm just going to commit my uh, commit to my choice. Okay. That being Fantastic Four number forty three, because uh, even though the developments and the issue were very much on an incremental scale, I thought that it was a very effective issue moving the story, the grand story of the Reckoning War forward. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And for myself, um, I'm actually going to go with, um, I almost picked Fantasy Four number 43 because I did enjoy that. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Silk number five. Uh, mm-hmm. That was also um, also a potential click, but I'm actually going to go with New Mutants number twenty five. Yeah, listen, I waxed poetically about the art and you know where the story might be going, right. so I definitely agree that that was a strong candidate this week. So yeah, I, I'm I'm quite curious about that. So um, hopefully it'll it'll stick to landing as we as we like to say. And right. that, folks, uh, is that uh, for the books of the week. Uh, we're going to go into the news, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. Your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise including custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we get into the uh, cinematic news as we start off with uh, every week. First, um, Doctor Strange actor convicted of multiple counts of child sex abuse. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I had a, I had an ad open. Typical, right? Yeah, yeah. This happens. Uh, so, British court judge Mark Watson recently found actor Zara Pythian and her husband Victor Mark uh, guilty on multiple counts of child sex abuse. This is not exactly the news we like to start off with or have in here, but nevertheless, uh, this is. I guess she was an actor in the first Doctor Strange movie because I'm pretty sure she was not in uh, multiverse multiverse of madness uh so yeah pythian tried under the name zara mark uh was convicted of 14 counts while her husband was convicted of 18 counts um there was multiple counts of sexual activity with an alternate victim it's a whole uh it's a whole uh mess and they need to be put under the jail next up Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness screenwriter Michael Waldron discussed what fans could expect of Zoch. Uh, oh, what? How do you pronounce her name? I've never actually figured that out. Uh, you know what? Um, I heard it once, and I couldn't tell you now. Yeah, I, I, I figure like I need to go back to like Marvel's pull list or or, or this week in Marvel because I know that they interviewed her. Mm-hmm. So I may need to consult that. 
But uh, the actress behind America Chavez and, you know, the, the character of America Chavez in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is its newest nexus being. So, you know, nexus being is uh, a concept that's still kind of up for grabs as they continue to explore America Chavez's story. That is a paraphrase of what Waldron had to say. Yep. Which... It brings up some more stuff. We talked about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness last show, uh, and I won't go too far into that, but maybe we may revisit it some somewhere along the lines. Because <laughs> I still have thoughts that, 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 that have creeped back up in my uh, brain about that movie. Um, anyway, Doctor Strange 2 writer also uh, explains why um, Spoiler had to join the MCU. Uh, spoiler alert for... Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness by the way if you haven't seen it yet it's been a couple of weeks uh, I know some, you know so hopefully uh, this won't spoil you too much but um, Charlize Theron uh, is playing the character of Thea uh, Clea excuse me uh, we get that in the end credit scene and uh, the writer Michael Waldron explains um, why and uh, why she had to, to join the uh, MCU. I'm assuming just talking about uh, Charlize Theron. As if she wasn't in a, another um, <laughs> uh, cinematic universe, that being the Francis and the Furious franchise. Right. But anyway, next up. Next up, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness has already made a significant total at the box office. According to Fandango, the blockbuster has added another $61 million in its second weekend for a domestic total of $291.9 million, which surpasses the lifetime gross of uh, a few MCU films, including the first Doctor Strange, Venom, which is not really part of the Marvel uh, films film group, uh, Logan, and Captain America the Winter Soldier. The film appears to be on track to outperform Iron Man 2 as well. I said, Logan also I'm, I'm I'm sad that Winter Soldier didn't make that much money. I went to see Winter Soldier in the theater, and Same. I'm surprised that it didn't make as much money because it's such a, a, a fan favorite movie. Yeah, it's still one of the better movies. Uh, not, uh, for a lot of people, would say, including probably us. Um, so yeah, I mean, I absolutely. Um, but I mean, nevertheless, you know, I, it's also a timing thing as these movies have gotten bigger and bigger, you know, things have, you know, the, 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 um, the veracity the for them grows changed. with it. Right. And that also exactly. And the veracity for particular movies, uh, swell one way or the other or reduce either way. Hey, still did good. Um, oh, you mean oh, you, oh, not veracity, but vor, like the like the appetite for them. Okay. Correct. All right, because when you said it, I was just like, you mean the truth of it, really? Oh no, but no, the, no. I, yeah, yeah. I was about to say I wasn't sure if you were using that like the right way, but no, yeah, no, I, I, no, no, I, I knew what you. I was talking about. Yeah, like the voraciousness. Yeah, right. yeah I gotcha. Uh, so do you think that it's time to retire the in credit scene uh, credit clip? No, absolutely not. They uh, the no, no, no. We should all we should. Keep uh, increasing. That's a, a, um, a question in the chat about uh, keeping the in credit clips. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was about to say I don't. You know, I, I don't have the chat handy, so you know, I'm, I'm just sort of like uh, uh, not really sure where that one was coming from. Right. <laughs> just so, now, that was uh, kind of weird. No, nah, yeah. Shout out to my dude, uh, Well Season Game, who who popped up in the chat and he just just asked that question. Uh, yeah, do you think it's time that it's time to retire the in credit clips? I think, no, no, yeah, I think no, they still no, add, no, no, no. 
I think they still add add some stuff. Plus, if they didn't, people would still be sitting there looking for them one way or the other. And hey, right. and if if I have done it with other movies that are not even Marvel movies, just sitting there, just seeing there's something at the end. So it has gotten me hook, line, and sinker. That's all I can say about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, next That's up. So- yeah, I'm you know like literally I'm just like well, where is he coming from with this like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not crazy. It, it came from somewhere. Seriously, um, I'm like what you talking about? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, wait, is this me or you? Uh, it's you because I just did the outgrossed um gotcha. uh, story. Um. How Natalie Portman's uh, MCU return happened for Love and Thunder. I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but basically uh, there was an interview with Empire with uh, Taika Waititi, and he explained his writing process on how he decided to bring James Foster's story out of the comics and into the MCU. Uh, He basically says here, I didn't know we were going to use the storyline of the Mighty Thor character until we started uh, working out the actual story. And he was like, I was relighting and was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to bring Jane back into the storyline? That's pretty much that. It goes mm-hmm. on from there. But, yeah. Next up. Next up is a related story about what uh, Taika Waititi said about uh, Jane, you know, in an interview with Empire. So, hmm. uh, you know, it's about Jane, you know, having, you know, kind of coming back on the scene after, two, you know, two movies away. And if you include the Avengers movies, several movies away now. Yeah. And, you know, basically that Jane has had a whole other life. And now the love of Thor's life has come back and is now dressed like Thor. So it's a real, uh, uh, I'm just going to say it, it. This is, uh, you know, we're, we're on late at night. You know, it's like Saturday Night Live now, right? So we can curse a little. It's a real mind fuck for Thor. That's what he says. End quote. I will not be bleeping that out, by the way. Um... That's fine. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, that is that. And actually, speaking of, uh, I don't know if you saw this uh, photo, but Thor four photo seems to introduce a god with Black Panther ties. Yeah, that did look. That did seem to be the case. Mm-hmm. I saw this. I saw that 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 um that that picture, and I was like, okay, you 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 see uh, Jane Foster Thor, Natalie Portman's thing for Foster Thor, she's kind of gunned up. You see Tessa Thompson as uh, Valkyrie, and then you see you know uh, I, w- what we assume to be Bass in the corner, and they just all had this look on this on their faces, and I'm like, hey, all right, hey, how, y- how y'all doing? <laughs> right. But in the in any case, so yes, there was a um, there's a new float that photo ship floating around. I'm sure y'all have seen it by this point. Uh, and it's seemingly suggesting that the other person in the picture is the goddess Bastet, a Bast, played by Akosia Sabet, um, and the aforementioned Tessa Thompson and Natalie Portman uh, as their respective characters. So we don't know. We'll see. Next up. Next up. So this is a story that I'm going to kind of dance around the dance, you know, dance through the raindrops with. Hmm. So uh, Moon Knight director Mohammed Diab discusses the Moon Knight series finales mid credit scene, which introduces viewers to a character from Marvel Comics lore. It's literally one of the other alters of Mark Spector's psyche. So, you know, his, uh, uh, another uh, symptom of his um uh, dissociative identity disorder. So, uh, you know, if you know that we've already seen Mark Spector and 
Stephen Grant in that show, you can kind of narrow it down a little bit as to which character was actually revealed. If you have not yet seen Moon Knight, you know, I think a lot of people are going to have trouble recommending that, but I think it's still worth the watch, in my opinion. Yeah, and also if you know enough about um, Moon Knight to make that connection. Right. So, but yeah. I, yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know where I would put it in the ranking of mm-hmm. the, the show so far, honestly. But it was pretty good. I'll have to go back and think about that. Um, speaking of, Moon Knight Moss reveals details about original, very different ending. So, yeah, as things tend to happen, once uh, things get wrapped up, people get loosey-loosey with the lips. Um, um, this is uh, Mohammed Diab who says, I remember the, the, the way the whole action sequence went down at the end and was written was completely inside the chamber of the gods. Everything. Um, and I just thought, no, we want to see Cairo at night. I want to see something outside. And it just kept developing again. Everybody was chipping in. Everybody's chipping in. It's so hard to take credit unless I remember. So I don't remember, but I love it. And I love people saw episodes three Cairo a day and how different, uh, it is than the perspective that the people of the desert and stuff and how it looks at night, which is another beauty. I love that about it. End quote. So and I think it goes off from there, so we don't necessarily have to uh, go through it. Next up, though. Next up, so this week or this past week uh, saw the uh, release of the official trailer for the She-Hulk Attorney at Law Disney Plus show. Um, very briefly, uh, you know uh, the the cast as kind of revealed in the trailer. We get to see Mark Ruffalo return as the Smart Hulk. Tim Roth, believe it or not, returns as Emil Blonsky, the Abomination. Um, we also know that there are other characters who are revealed in this uh, trailer. We get to see a, a brief look at Jamila Jamil's Titania. We also see a character that looks very much like Frogman. Although I didn't recognize it. I, mm. it. It was just, you know, it was so fleeting that I didn't recognize it. But once I saw Still, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I think that's what that character is. I believe so. So. I know a lot of people talked about um, what the, uh, the the CG looked like for She-Hulk and her shade of green. You know, shout out to Kermit the Frog. Looks other things, yeah. You know, you know, it's not easy being green, folks. So that's you know, th- those are the basics of uh, some of the criticism of this trailer. I'm still willing to see where they come, at, how it comes to us in August. Right? That's when that's when it drops. August seventeenth. Yep. All right, so it's still a few months away. There's definitely a little time for refining uh, She-Hulk's look. But I'm, you know, listen, it's it's going to be much more about the, 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 the comedy and the story of this show rather than some of the superheroic stuff because I've never seen She-Hulk like that when it comes to her solo books. Well, that, wait, so did you read uh, Dan Slott's 2005 uh, She-Hulk? Not at all. You might want to check it out. It's there's from from what I've been reading. I've, I've so far I'm like five issues in, and I see from the especially from the trailer, I can see what they could be taking some stuff from. Right, like pretty heavy. I mean, I figure right. I was gonna <laughs> say I figure that they're going to uh, borrow heavily from the more recent stuff. Yeah, you know, the Soul Run, and Possibly, um, yeah, 
you know, I just figured that's that's where they're gonna draw from. So, you know, and I read that, I collected that, but uh, I, I guess maybe going back to slots run might be important. Yeah, which well, I mean, can yeah, because I know when the trailer hit, uh, slot and soul were kind of dapping each other up, basically. <laughs> um, and yeah, you could you could definitely tell, and which also would mean that they might see a little bit more Jennifer Walters. Uh, and not as much um, the Jade Giantess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, season uh, gamer says the CG needs work before release. Yeah, they could, they could. I mean, there's time they could do something if they choose to. So we'll see. And it, I didn't think it was that bad either. So, um, but like I said, we'll see if they do anything else more to it. Move right along, though. Uh, we, um, She Hulk, uh, confirmed to feature the return of Wong. Which, uh, I'm like, where did he go? We just saw him in Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> True, but I think they're saying in extension because he's been getting a lot of play, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's this phase is Nick Fury, or at least Nick, this phase <laughs> is like Shield, you know. Mm. Because remember, like Coulson, like as an extension of Shield, was also kind of uh, playing that role as well, right? We, I'm hoping we're going to, and especially since we know that the abomination is is uh, uh, showing up and uh, Wong, maybe we'll see what the hell that whole uh, fixing of the fights was from Shang Chi, Shang Chi, was right. about. Here's hoping, but yeah, so yeah, the, the phase phase Wong continues to to keep going. Next up, next up, Hulu has canceled its stop motion animated Modoc series after just one season. This is the show that starred Patton Oswalt as the titular Modoc character. Um, you know, lots of offbeat humor in that show. I don't know if Roddy Cat ever got around to watching it. Not yet, no. I thought it was okay. It's not great. You know, it was just, you know, plenty of funny ha-ha, not funny, you know, like ha-ha, ho-ho, he-he. How about that? Right, not rolling on the floor laughing. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll check it out. It's, it is what it is on that one. Because like a I know I read the book that was like um, that was the companion to it, mm-hmm. but thinking that I was going to go head on into it, but I never did. So uh, we'll see. Um, but next up, Marvel licenses Stan Lee's likeness for future films, merch, and more. I don't know if you saw this uh, article, uh, Agent Seven. I, yeah, I, I saw hints of it on my social media feeds. So, yeah, uh, apparently, according to uh, Hollywood Reporter, Marvel's inked a deal, a contract with Stanley Universe, which is a venture between Genius Brands International and Powell Entertainment, that would allow Lee's likeness to be used in any upcoming film or television projects. Uh, the contract also states that the creator's name and appearance can be used for, quote-unquote, Disney theme parks, uh, various experiences, and merchandising. They're going to pimp out Stan Lee after his death. Uh, it's currently unknown, or uh, pres- presumably, we don't know. It's currently unknown when the deal officially starts, but audiences can possibly expect more of Lee's beloved cameos throughout the ever growing MCU. So, are they going to CG him and put a. I, I hope they don't do that. Or, or it's a hologram as a, <laughs> or something. I hope they don't do that. Let me I mean, they, you know, at the end of the day, his likeness has to be, has to be licensed. Right. So, you know, you know, uh, think about, um, you know, seeing an image of him hanging on the wall. They right. don't need to license that. So right. that's the, you know, that, that at, its, at its core still needs to be done. 
You know, if that's all they do, then I'll be happy with that. Exactly. That'll be fine. That's exactly what I was was saying. Exactly. But if they go further than that, like making, I mean, they they probably do it like a Stanley, like in a in an animated thing or something like that. But I don't know. But outside of that, I hope they don't go too crazy with that. that right. That sounds silly. Next up, though. Next up, so Hayden Christensen, <clears throat> while speaking with Total Film, uh, teased how the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi show connects the original trilogy with the prequels. So he says that uh, they're more in line with the prequels than they are with how the fights are in the original trilogy. The characters of age, but not that much yet. And, uh, you know, he said that it was a rewarding experience in that regard. And that uh, it's nice to have this uh, current wave of positivity over the prequel films. And that they're adding more connective tissue to all of these characters. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw this in here real quick, even though I didn't put it in the lineup. Uh, but I'll go take the next one as well. Uh, Colin Cantwell, who designed Star Wars iconic ships, dies at 90. Uh, I saw this uh, earlier to or earlier yesterday as of this recording, uh, and I was like, oh, the dude who uh, designed all the ships, he passed away. So we gotta, at the very least, recognize that uh, right off. Because let's face it, Star Wars got some cool ass ships. <laughs> Personally speaking, that's, that's, you know, uh, but anyway, next up, uh, Obi-Wan's, uh, Ewan McGregor confirms a major Ahsoka casting rumor. Uh, so Mary Elizabeth Winstead is now, um, become attached to, uh, the Ahsoka series, apparently not Obi-Wan Kenobi, or maybe she will show up there. We don't know. Um, says, while discussing his place in the Star Wars universe with Fanny DePair, McGregor remarked on how uh, ingrained the franchise has been become in his personal life. Um, oh, right. I forgot. They're together. Uh, his, my partner, Mary, is doing that Star Wars series with Rosario, and she's about to start. Uh, our little boy scene has been born into this massive Star Wars family. Uh, he will either embrace it or really go the other way. I really don't know. Maybe he'll be a Trekkie. In uh, quote. I forgot they were together. <laughs> so yeah, so um, yeah, the, the 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 family that Star Wars together stays together. I guess I don't know. Either way, next. I don't think it says actually. Uh, let's see, yeah, it does say who she's going to be or what. That just she, that she's attached with uh, the Eastern right, Eastern. right. Yeah, and it's something that he said because guess what? They are uh, you know significant others. Exactly. All right, next up. So according to Vanity Fair, uh, the Star Wars series Andor is arriving late this summer, followed by the third season of The Mandalorian in late 2022 or early 2023. And Ahsoka is going to come at some point in 2023 because it is currently filming. Other confirmed projects like The Acolyte are further off in the release schedule. I like you know that's fine. Like we're we're getting Obi Wan. I wasn't really expecting that Andor series this year. So okay, Mandalorian three. We we pretty much knew that was coming this year. So that's not that big of a surprise. I don't know if anybody was still checking for that that Cassian Andor series at all. Mm-hmm. So go figure. But hey, at least we know. More than we did, I guess. That also, the Acolyte thing, whatever that thing is also uh, somewhere along the I assume that's going to be after Ahsoka. So, guess what, folks? We get a lot of Star Wars, and Will Season Gamer says, too bad he's a trucker. Hey, you know, yeah, that's fine. Trekkie's got love around here also. 
I, I happen to be um, both. I don't know. Anyway, next up. <laughs> I'm a fan of both. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, no, no. Uh, uh, yeah, I was about to call it. it. Yeah, you still have next. Yeah. Uh, this Black Canary art is ex- inspiring the HBO Max's movies writer. Uh, HBO Max's, you heard, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's late, folks. I apologize. So, yeah, uh, Misha Green. And it's is, been one of those days, folks. It has very much been one of those days. Uh, we won't even get into it. But, yeah, uh, yeah Misha Green. personal, like Monica would say. <laughs> nice. Um, yes, uh, Black Canary writer Misha Green, uh, whose name you should be, from, some folks will be familiar from Lovecraft Country and other places. Uh, took inspiration for her upcoming HBO Max film from a fan-made poster. Green shared an update on her Black Canary writing process uh, in a photo posted on her Instagram story. Um, Featured in the photo was Shoot to Kill by um, Christine Vachon, which reminds me of uh, a Mad Lion um, (laughs) song, which I won't go into. (laughs) Shout out to your old heads who know who Mad Lion is. Go look it up, kids. Anyway, um, the the creator of the poster recognized the work. Oh, isn't it pronounced Mad Lion? Anyway, <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't remember. I don't. Um, too many, you know, whatever. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Uh, the creator of the poster recognized his work on Green's Instagram story, and Green confirmed on Twitter that she chose the image to use as a source of inspiration throughout the writing process. So that's cool. I don't know if we have a copy. Uh, we don't. Oh, yeah, here we go. Here's the tweet from Misha Green, and there's the picture. If you're watching the video version of this, you can see the um, you can see the post in question. And uh, apparently, if you're into legs and feet, they, they, you got that going on for you. But this is not that type of show, folks. Next up. Next up. So I have not been keeping up with this. I don't know if Roddy Cat has, but apparently Amber Heard testified in her trial um, uh, you know, uh, surrounding her relationship with ex-husband Johnny Depp, that she was initially let go from her Aquaman 2 contract amid the negative publicity due to the trial and uh, said that uh, she was able to uh, fight to stay in the movie and they kept her in it, but she now just does not know how much she's actually in the movie, in the final cut. Right. And we so that thing's been going on. We have we have purposely not talked about that whole um, case because it's, it seems like a circus. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the only relevant thing that that I have seen from it because I have not also been keeping up with it. Also, I can put where my side of this is, but you don't know anything about anybody's relationship, so we're not even going to go there for that. So, next up. Uh, DC's Wonder Twins uh, HBO Max film has been X'd. So I guess it's been confirmed. Because we did kind of talk about whether it, it might... I think we had talked about whether it might have been uh, confirmed right. or not. But uh, I guess this is confirmation according to Variety, at least. Um, so Warner Bros. has announced back in February that it was developing the um, uh, DC film based on the Wonder Twins, they, and we even talked about some a couple of the casting choices that they have made, uh, which which is kind of funny given I think what's coming up next uh, in the story. But um, actually, it's not stuff funny. I shouldn't say that. But uh, 
it looks like they had started, but yeah, I guess that's that's it for the Wonder Twins Wonder Wonder Twins movie. Huh. I wasn't really expecting too much, but he, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that he, they even gave it a thought. Put it this way. So, next up. Uh, the CW is saying goodbye to Riverdale, the Archie comic series developed and executive produced by Roberto Aguirre uh, Sacasa, is ending with its seventh, se- seventh season, which will debut this coming mid-season. Okay. Hmm. And the reason why that last story was funny because the person, the dude that plays Archie, was in the star, one of the stars of the um, Wonder Twins. Wonder Twins right. movie. Yeah. So. Uh, and they killed the storyline and the Flash series. I didn't know the Wonder Twins was in the Flash series because that shows how much I've been keeping up with it. Uh, well, season gamer, so I guess I should catch up at some point. Um, next up, though, Netflix announces the Archie's live action cast. So apparently, um, Netflix is doing a Bollywood version of. Well, I assume it's a Bollywood version. I shouldn't say that. Uh, but basically. It's a version of the Archies. Yes, the Archie comics Archies, but set in 1960s India. So that's where I immediately went to Bollywood, and that's so that was me doing that, and not the not the article saying that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually going to be, but it does say it is a musical drama. So maybe more right than I'm, than I'm thinking. Could be wrong. Uh, it apparently see the the Archie's will premiere exclusively on Netflix and feature an ensemble cast of newcomers whom I will not name because all the names are here and who will be uh, naming all of the titular Archie Comics characters that you may or may not know and love. And there's a short video that was uh, introducing each actor apparently uh, to the film. I am definitely going to. Be curious enough to check this out. <laughs> I haven't checked it out. I haven't. I've. I've watched like one episode of Riverdale. I might check this out just to see what the hell is what the hell they're doing here. Uh, it doesn't say when this thing is up for twenty twenty three. So yeah, we're not probably not going to get it sometime next year. But hey, go check it out. Next up. Alrighty, uh, an animated revival of Married with Children is actually in the works. According to Deadline, the classic comedy series is currently being pitched to various networks and streamers. The show, which is said to be generating a lot of interest, will actually feature the original series' star, Ed, stars Ed O'Neill, Katie Sagal, Christina Applegate, and David Faustino. The showrunner for the project will be Family Guy executive producer Alex Carter. So... You know, that is um, uh, a cheaper way to, you know, set up a return. You know, I don't know if it's going to be a reboot. I think it's just going to be a return of uh, Married with Children. Yeah. Uh, Which is actually kind of funny. So folks may may not know Married with Children was one of the first Fox shows before it was Fox. Right. Um, and then Family Guy came along, so, which is, you know, Family Guy and Sim. Well, actually, excuse me, this was even before The Simpsons. So Simpsons came yep. along later, and Family Guy came along. Uh, well, later than that. Exactly. So, yeah. Shout out to uh, Tracy Ullman because we wouldn't have uh, the The Simpsons without the Tracy Ullman show. Nevertheless, right. um, I was about to say, you know, and 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 uh, you know, we're talking about like in Living Color time too. Well, the Living Color came slightly after uh, Mary Richardson, but yes, but it was still yeah. in the early days. You're right. 
Um, so yeah, all of that because I remember a couple of the old Fox shows, but I wouldn't that no one would even know outside of Married with Children. Um, which yeah, I thought I saw this and I was like, this is kind of silly. And then um, I was cleaning up. I don't know if, if anybody has been checking out uh, CB Caps, but I posted a picture of um, something I found in cleaning up uh, my uh, some comic books that I have, and there was a. Um, there was the first issue of a Married with Children comic book that I came across from yep. June 1990. So they can't, well, I guess they could go back there again, but it's, I doubt if they would. I'm just sitting here thinking, like, what exactly would would this be? Like, we already got The Simpsons, we got Family Guy, like, uh, what else can Married with Children even in animated form? Don't get me wrong, I love the show. The show was great, but like what could they? What are they gonna do with this? You know. Yep. Like I feel like this, this the network was pretty much built off of, of Married with Children. There's no doubt in that because obviously, like I said, Family Guy and the rest of the rest of the shows that came after it that kind of came off of this. Regardless, I don't know. I I will check it out. Um, I will check it out. You'll hear about it next up. <laughs> no, you're up. Um, oh, I get this one. Great. Jack Reacher star Alan Richson cast in Fast X or a.k.a. Fast 10. So I don't know this dude. Uh, Alan Rickson, I guess he's a Jack Reacher. Uh, yeah, to... He played um, Hawk on the in the Titan show, too. Oh, OK. I just got to he's where a big dude. Huh? He's a big dude. Okay, yeah, I think I just when I the last time I saw uh watched Titans, I think I just got the way they showed up, which is granted kind of mm-hmm. early on, so um okay, okay. Uh sure. Now, who is he going to be? We don't know. Uh right. but he's just and another name to the number in the Fast X uh um the Fast X stuff. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is definitely uh, Vin Diesel trying to throw as many guest stars and Hollywood uh, star power that he can into these unfortunately failing sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's just my opinion as a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, agreed. Uh, what was the name of the spinoff show? I'm assuming you're talking about the Married with Children spinoff show, and I don't remember. It's been it's been so long, but there was I do remember there was one. I think it had something to do with the neighbors, but I don't remember. Um, I'm like, you're at, you're addressing a question, right? Yes. Oh, because again, <laughs> yeah, you know, we got people in the audience, so I figured, you know, people got questions they can answer. They can yeah, ask. just let us know that you're answering a question. I All did. Right. Um, now we're going into the anime corner. Uh-huh. And uh, ap- apropos to the first story. Anime! Anime! Uh, Crunchyroll and Toei Animation have announced that Dragon Ball Super Superhero, the newest film in the hugely popular anime franchise, will hit theaters globally this summer. In well, It's going to start in Japan on June 11th. And then starting in August, the movie will be rolled out in theaters in North America, Latin America, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Africa, the Middle East, and the rest of Asia. Okay. Okay. 
So apparently, I did look up this uh, that Married with Children re, uh, of a spinoff, and it was uh, apparently a failed spinoff starring one Matt LeBlanc from well be- before Friends. Yeah, I was about to say before. How you doing? Yeah, it was called Top of the Heap. Looks like so I don't remember that at all. Anyway, next up, uh, Anime's Fall twenty twenty two season will be one of the industry's more stacked in years. Most stacked. Um, Heck, spring's already looking pretty good, so I can only imagine how good how fall's going to be. Um, as this article says, yeah, spring season is going on right now, and this little new shows have already impressed fans, according to this article. Um, actually, we will be getting to a couple of um, a, a couple of them in the upcoming articles because this article mentions Mob Psycho One Hundred, which is actually coming back this this fall, which is a show I've never seen, um, but I've heard people love the hell out of. But yeah, there's a bunch of shows that are uh, confirmed that are going to be released in October, including JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean, Spy, uh, Spy X Family, which I guess is the next season, uh, Uzumaki, Golden Kamei, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, oh yeah, the Bleach, uh, A Thousand Year War, Blood War, uh, and of course, My Hero uh, is all coming back uh, this um, uh, this fall. So yeah. Anime fans rejoice. Next up. So speaking of My Hero Academia, the third feature film in the franchise, My Hero Academia World Heroes Mission, has finally had uh, a a date set for its U.S. Blu-ray DVD release. So, uh, you know, it's been a while since that movie was out in theaters, but now we have a date of August 23rd for the My Hero Academia World Heroes Mission Blu-ray and DVD to come out. So finally, I'll be able to to catch this movie. (laughs) Oh, you didn't catch it in the... um... No, I was... Yeah, I did not catch it in the theaters. No, in the other ways... Oh, no, because uh, they do a good job of cracking down on the other ways. Mm, gotcha. Uh, we won't go into the other ways, folks. You you know what it is. Um, uh, as I uh, said earlier, Mob Psycho 100 uh, is coming back this October. Uh, I know there are people that I know on my timeline who love that show. So I'm sure they will be um, chomping at the bit to uh, to to catch this again. Like I said, I've never watched it. So if you got fans out there, shout them out. Next up. Oh, no, we're done, right? Oh, we're done with Anime Corner. We're going into Comic Book Corner, but we're still staying in the Anime Corner, if that makes sense. There it is. So let me just pull up the uh, transition here. Uh, Dragon Ball Super shares preview for chapter 84, and I guess it would be a spoiler for if you're behind, but, but I'm not going to go into it because I have not <laughs> read any of it. Have you read Have you read any of it? I don't know. The Dragon Ball Super? No. Yeah. Okay. The only, the only uh, manga that I am completely up to date on is the main My Hero Academia manga. Right. Was there not one for uh, uh, Haikyuu? Oh, there, there was. I just haven't gotten into reading it. Gotcha. You know, so, it's it's funny because that uh, Haikyuu and Demon Slayer are both done. Yes. So I could technically read both of them to figure out what's you know to you know to to see where everything goes. Yeah, I'm. As I've told you before, I am very tempted to start with a couple of including like Spy Family. Well, I already started Spy Family, but um, I, I um, 
there's a couple of manga, including My Hero, that I'm kind of curious about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I want to go down a road because I already read enough as it is with with comics. So anyway, um, chapter eighty four, Dragon Ball Super's next book, which is next book's chapter, is going to be hitting in a few more days, which I would imagine as of this um, article is probably out already. Um, may not be here, but uh, in, in the states, I should say, uh, it says here that. Um, the Granola the Survivor arc was announced to be coming to an end sometime this year, with the next arc to follow shortly after that. If you know what that means, you are a better person than I am. Uh, the article goes on from there, including giving some preview pages of some drafts from the next chapter. Uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see me scrolling past them. Uh, and you will probably... Oh, yeah. May 19th will be the launch of... Um, chapter 84 which is uh past so it's out there and you've probably read it by now next all righty so uh my hero academia vigilantes reveals the final chapter release date so that final chapter of the english version is going to be on well actually on shonen jump the online magazine is going to have it on may 28th the english version of the chapter is going to be out on may 27th and will appear digitally on the manga plus app okay that is going to be the 126th and final chapter mm-hmm. of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. And I, I literally just opened up the most, the, 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 the most recent uh, chapter, 353 of the My Hero Academia um, manga, the main My Hero Academia manga, which is hurtling to a conclusion uh, because it, well, it just came out today. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Um... Fire Force creator shares special message to fans with manga's final volume. This is actually another vo- more, more manga that I was uh, that had already started, but um, uh, hadn't uh, gone all the way through yet. So, Fire Force's manga run officially came to an uh, end earlier this year, and the series creator beyond uh, behind the, the series has shared an emotional message to fans with the launch of the manga's final volume. The 34th and final volume of Fire Force has now hit the shelves in Japan. And it's going to be a bit before fans in other territories get to check out the finale for themselves, unless you know other means to, to uh, uh, find uh, said stuff. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But anyway, hmm. with the release of the final volume, Fire Force creator uh, Atushi Okubo, Okubo, excuse me, uh, shared the following emotional message, as spotted in translation, translated on Twitter. That begins as such. Thank you all for staying to the end. Fire Force is now finished. Fire Force is a story about life, but you could also say that it's a story about death. Death is something that no one uh, has ever experienced, yet it can happen at any time to us uh, living beings, but can only be explained by our imagination. I I guess that's true. I'm still waiting for uh, season three. Bring it to me. Thank you very much. Next. Next, uh, Marvel Comics provided uh, an exclusive reveal of the cover and solicitation information for Avengers number 60 by writer Mark Russell and artist Greg Land. Uh, <laughs> Greg Land. Yes. Yeah, so Hawkeye faces the X-Men's wrath in Avengers number 60 as part of, I guess, Judgment Day. Yes. Uh, I, I, I'm so happy that he got this because as, as folks may or may not know, Greg Land is a, is a fan favorite to a couple of, uh, of hosts of the 
comic book chronicle, and I say, yeah, now, 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 we, now it's a hat trick, folks. What you talking about, <laughs> and I and I say favorite as as in being not at all, but hey, it is what it is. Yeah, firmly um, tongue in cheek. Yes, but I love it every time it comes up. Amazing Spider-Man teases Gwen Stacy's return for Judgment Day tie-in. Huh? What? Uh, Gwen Stacy might be making another comeback in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. The upcoming X- uh, Avengers X-Men Eternals event acts uh, Judgment Day will feature a number of tie-ins, of course, debuting in August. And one of those is Amazing Spider-Man number 10. Uh, Peter Piker is all, already dealing with a chaotic new status quo under the guidance of writer Zeb Wells and uh, artist John Romita Jr. And his life will get more complicated when Spider-Man is judged for the moment that Gwen Stacy died in his arms. Go ahead and sing the song. You know you want to. Um, <laughs> must have been something he did. In, <laughs> in Amazing Spider-Man 1. Yeah, he should have walked away. Yes, should have. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's late, folks. It's been a day. Oh man, yes, you got to You got to You got to have it. So, tie-ins. No, yeah, we know this stuff. You know, that this whole Avengers X Men thing, uh, which we had, because we haven't fully gotten into in officially, is going right. to be a thing. Yeah, we're about to get there. Yeah. And this is the point where I say, hey, folks, um, August solicitations are out there. If you are one of those folks who um, are inclined to read that stuff. So they're all out there. You can go check them out, which means that also there are going to be some news um, about stuff coming forth in the next couple of weeks as they get mined. Next up. So uh, Marvel Comics is celebrating 60 years of Spider-Man. And, you know, there's a bunch of stuff going on. But one thing that they are doing is um, in August, Amazing Fantasy number 1000. While the numbers don't exactly add up, it's actually going to be a giant size celebration one shot that brings together a bunch of uh, comic book, you know, classic creators and modern classic creators and it's a it's a book that explores the past and future of amazing Spider-Man storytelling, so uh, that's coming out in August. Mm-hmm. Ghost Rider Vengeance uh, Forever celebrates the spirit of Vengeance's fiftieth anniversary, which is this year. Shout out to Tim, uh, who wrote the story, by the way, uh, our very own Tim Adams. So this year marks 50, uh, Ghost Rider's 50th anniversary, as I've said, and Marvel Celebration celebrating with a special one-shot that puts the spotlight on the Spirit of Avengers' past, present, and future. Um, I am so tempted to go watch those two Ghost Rider movies after we talked that last time, uh, I, um, by the way. But anyway, comicbook.com can exclusively reveal uh, that Ghost Rider Vengeance Forever number one from Benjamin Percy and artist uh, Juan Jose Rip and covered by Bjorn Barnes. Um, the anniversary one shot ties into Percy's current run on Ghost Rider. Wait. Oh, is he writing that uh, Ghost Rider book? Yeah. Okay. It hasn't come out in a while. We haven't no, seen an hasn't. issue for a little while. Yeah, I was about to say, I think it's like two issues and something. But anyway. Um, yeah, it's just a little behind schedule, I think. Gotcha. You know, like remember we had uh, like uh, like several weeks of like very few books, so there's yeah, got to be true. something going on. Yeah, I suppose you're right. So we probably should see the next one soon. But anyway, um, readers will. Yeah. So current 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 
Percy's current run on Ghost Rider is being celebrated while also paying tribute to the creators who came before him. Um, readers will also be introduced to a new character named Necro the Tattooist who will give uh, Johnny Blaze a warning about his future. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Um, and then there's a quote here from uh, Percy, but I'll, I'll, I'll just leave that to folks who want to read this uh, the article in the show notes. Next up. All righty, next up. So, um, Meet Escapade, a new mutant hero created by Charlie Jane Anders, uh, of who is IO9 co-founder and award-winning author. So, the beginning of Escapade's journey begins in Marvel's Voices Pride Number 1, which follows the young superhero's career as a thief and explores her, explores her life as a trans mutant. Uh, the story is written by Anders and drawn by artist duo and Eisner nominated cartoonist Rose Stein and Ted Brandt um, with, co- with colors by Tamara Bonvalain as the collection's central story. So, you know, um, you know, come go with her, you know, and get away. Mm-hmm. She'll have a good time. Leave your work Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, so, you know, glad that we we're on the same page on that. I also appreciate that um, Ryan Panagos and Lorraine Sink on um, This Week in Marvel uh, or the pull. I, I think it was in, on This Week in Marvel also hit upon the exact same reference. Not coincidentally, um, Janet Jackson's birthday was also on the 19th. So go figure. Exactly. Shout out to Miss Janet. There you go. Um, because I'm nasty. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's late, folks. It's exactly. been a day. Uh, Venom introduces a new, very different symbiote to the Marvel Universe in um, Venom number 11, apparently. So, yeah. Uh, there's a new cover to uh, Venom number 11 by Brian Hitch, which gives readers the fir- their first glimpse at the Sleeper symbiote and its brand new host, uh, sporting high-tech chemical weaponry adorned with uh, vials of unknown substances and decked out in a gleaming gas mask, this version of Sleeper, named Sleeper Agent, boo, marks new territory for the character. Uh, written by Ram V, with illustrations by v- Brian Hitch. Is this the longest Brian Hitch has been on a book? Oh, let me stop. Um, <laughs> the, the upcoming issue promises to kick off uh, a three-part storyline titled Venom World. Actually, we don't, I don't even know when he got on this book, so I shouldn't say that. Uh, following the conclusion of the series' current arc written by uh, Al Ewing at its outset. I didn't know there was a Venom. I guess I didn't know there was a Venom book. I don't know. Next up. Uh, Marvel's classic rom-com, Patsy Walker number 1, makes its debut on Marvel Unlimited. So this is uh, one of those Infinity comic format books, mm-hmm. you know, that scrolls up and down. Uh, the four-part series follows Patsy Walker and her rival, Heedy Wolf, as they enter a fierce competition to win a meet-and-greet with their favorite singer, the charming Chad Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creative team on the series includes writer Trina Robbins, color artist Derek Charm, and colorist Rico Renzi, and edited by Lana Smith. Yep, that's out there now. Um, not an endorsement, just saying. Yep. Uh, Marvel Comics is, confirms that Conan the Barbarian is leaving the publisher, as we alluded to earlier. Um, the Hyborian Age is coming to an end at the House of Ideas. Uh, Marvel, 
Marvel announced that Conan the Barbarian will soon leave the Marvel Universe at the conclusion of Jerison Aaron and Mahad, uh, Mahmoud Azra's King Conan series in July. Uh, the last issue will be King Conan number six, which brings uh, a definitive end to the character's latest batch of stories at Marvel Comics. We also talked about Savage Adventures earlier, which started another adventure with um, uh, Conan... Uh, which I assume they're going to have to do something with very quickly, considering how long, how often this book is going to come out, because it doesn't have long. Uh, anyway, despite the character's license leaving Marvel, the publisher also announced a new round of collection releases. Re- uh, this fall, Marvel releases its sixth volume as a part of the Clonin the Barbarian Epic Collection, featuring a collection of vintage comics from Fort Thomas, uh, John Buscema, uh, Howard Chaikin, and Gil Kane. Fast forward to December, and Marvel is releasing another collection, Conan the Barbarian, the original Marvel Years Omnibus, Volume 10, with a cover from Todd McFarlane. So, even though the licenses are leaving, there's still going to be some Conan at the outset. Next up. Fans of Disney Plus's Moon Knight will soon be able to get their hands on a Funko Pop of Layla Al-Fauli in her Scarlet Scarab costume, but only if they go to San Diego Comic-Con. It's going to be um, uh, an exclusive to San Diego Comic-Con, which runs from July 21st to July 24th at the San Diego Convention Center. Layla, got me on my knees. Lay- okay. Yeah, I was about to say, I am not going to give any kind of props to... Uh, yeah, I know, I know, captains or whatever, but yeah, yeah. You, you can't help that one. Um, transformable Lego Optimus Prime set to arrive this spring. Now, we've talked about uh, a certain transforming uh, Optimus Prime. Lego decided to get in on the farm by doing one themselves, apparently. Right. Um, and a yeah, I didn't. I I saw this out there and I didn't want to look at it because I knew I I was probably going to want it. One and two, I'm not good at Lego, so, so if I had to put it together, I knew good and well that wasn't going to happen. Even if I did get it. So that being said, um, the Lego Optimus Prime set does not have a release date, but apparently it says here the fans can expect it to launch in June. There is a video out there um, uh, showing it transform. Probably not how you're putting it together, but nevertheless, have at it, folks. Next up. McFarlane Ties Toys has debuted DC Direct Page Punchers, which are toys that are kind of, um, you know, action figures with more limited articulation than the the seven-inch scale McFarlane toys, and they come with a comic book all for the relatively low price Everything is relative, folks. Of nine ninety nine. I mean, hey, a, a figure with a book, sure, why not? Yeah. Um, like I said, relatively low price since these, you know, most of these action figures, like the the kind of collectible ones, are all like twenty five bucks and up. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm scrolling real fast through the uh, the the available figures. So it's the Flash, Black Adam, Superman, and Batman. Of course, Black Adam. Of course, yeah. Timely. Of course. <laughs> you know, because everybody wants a Black Adam. Exactly. You know, it's just rolling off for everybody's tongue at this point in time. Uh, can you smell what the Black Adam is cooking? Oh, Next no. Uh, DC's Black Label's uh, Human Target gets a new one-shot. So, uh, 
Christopher Chance, star of DC's Black Label's uh, The Human Target, will get his own one-shot detailing his life prior to the events of the current season, uh, series, which apparently is still going on because none of us have read it. Uh, DC announced Tales of the Human Target from, from writer Tom King and artist uh, Miko Janin. Raphael Albuquerque, Kevin McGuire, and Greg Smallwood. So at least I got some good art uh, attached to it. Or artists. Uh, the new one-shot is set before Chance sets out on a mission to find his killer after he drinks poison intended for the notorious B.I.G. I mean, excuse me, the notorious villain uh, Lex Luthor. Mm. Um... In this uh, one-shot anthology, Christopher Chance teams up with the members of Justice League International, some of whom already are prominently involved in the story, in four connecting mysteries, and one of them may be responsible for the poison that the human targets uh, living on borrowed time on. So there's the premise of that. Next. All right, Teen Justice reveals new details about DC's non-binary Flash, a male raven, and more. So this is a multiversity series um, uh, titled Teen Justice. The series highlights the heroes of Earth-11 who make up the Teen Justice team, including Kid Quick, Aqua Girl, Clarion, the Witch Girl, Supergirl, Robin, Troy, and Raven. Each trading card, which you can view, uh, see on this in the article, reveals background information about each character, their real name, and their first appearance on the Teen Justice team. Okay. Uh, classic Wonder Woman villain gets a massive deadly upgrade. Um, I guess this is a spoiler alert for uh, Wonder Woman Evolution uh, number seven, which is, I think, came out last week or this week, probably. I don't know. Uh, DC released a preview page, which you can preview for uh, said book, which comes from writer Stephanie Phillips, artist uh, Stefano Raphael, uh, colors Jody Belair, and letterer Tom uh, Napoliano. Napoli. It's late, folks. Sorry. Uh, in the preview, the mysterious Dr. Hill is continuing to perform scientific experiments. Only this time, rather than messing with Diana's mind, he's performing trials on one of her longtime enemies, Silver Swan. Never heard of her. Next up. A major Justice League member is going after Deathstroke the Terminator in DC Comics' Shadow War crossover event. So Shadow War is a crossover between Batman, Robin, and Deathstroke, Inc. And uh, apparently, spoiler alert for Shadow War Zone number one, another player is gunning for Deathstroke. It's someone who has a sonic scream in the DC Universe. See, this one I knew was coming cause, because I, I saw that play out in Deathstroke, Inc. So that's, this is not a surprise. I did not know this is where that was going to play out or whatever play out. So I haven't had a chance to read that, that book yet or much of Shadow War at this point. Next up, though, um, Doctor Who reveals new secrets about the Fugitive Doctor. So Titan Comics' upcoming Doctor Who Origins Number 1 revealed will reveal some previously untold uh, secrets about a major Doctor Who character, the Fugitive Doctor. Uh, Doctor Who Origins comes from writer Jody Hauser, uh, artist Roberta Granada, and color, um, colorist Rania K. Sahadiwa. Um, the upcoming issue I apologize if I screwed up your name by the way uh, the upcoming issue which releases in June will shed light on how the fugitive doctor got her name and what her time at the division looked like the synopsis of the issue uh, goes away which I won't talk about but hey if you're a Doctor Who fan you know who that is and um, you'll probably want to check this out um, next up 
Last but not least, Grant Morrison, multiple award-winning uh, writer of acclaimed, acclaimed comic books, had a special gift released this previous free comic book day. It was not a new title, though, but in fact, it was quite the opposite. It was a 40-year-old short story he had written and drawn in the earliest stages of his career. Morrison originally posted it on his Substack, but it has now been published on io9. Okay. If you're a Grant Morrison fan, it's out there. It said be in the show notes so you can check that out. Um, and that is the end of the news. Uh, real quick, I was going to say there is a book that came out this week uh, from the, it's not the Multiversity, um, the, from the Milestones Return. It's a new book and it's uh, called Duo. I haven't had a chance to rec- uh, check it out yet, uh, but I will try to check it out and maybe maybe mention it next week if I get a chance to. We'll see. But uh, let's hit that one last ad read, shall we? Our last ad read of the night is for Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through the CSPN link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Spoken like a man who always reads those ads. Um, and folks, we have come to the end of the show. This was a, a little more abbreviated show because hey, it's been a day, and uh, this show is like a couple of days late, so we won't yep. even get into that. But we will hope you will join us next week for a um, for another show. We will be talking about Obi Wan Kenobi, the the first. Right. It'll be very timely. Yes. So it's going to be hopefully good. <laughs> we shall see. But nevertheless, folks, uh, I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. You can also find me at Radicat on, uh, on Instagram, but nobody goes there. Who cares? You can find Agent underscore seven on Twitter and Instagram. Um, PCN underscore dirt, which you can see him. He's not here, but he's always with us some kind of where. Um, you can find him at PC underscore dirt on Twitter. You can find him at pop culture net on Twitter. You can find him at uh, popculturenet.com and all those umbrella sites there in. And of course you can find Tim D O D G nine, eight, the Osiris that is ish at Tim O Tim D O G G nine, eight on Twitter. You can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Cumber Chronicles, uh, Twitter account. Uh, you can also, Follow it. We, we, hopefully, we're going to get we're going to get a hold of that so we can attach it to this thing. But regardless, um, uh, you can also find him at uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's v k l i q n a t i o n at theclicknation dot com. But of course, you can find Tim writing his face off over at comicbook.com. dot com. Uh, you can find this here show on the Coastal the Podcast Network. That's cspn dot us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us on your podcast virtual place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to click like, subscribe, and the notification uh, button so that you know when we are coming out. 
Yeah. Thank you for the follow, Well Simpson Gamer. Appreciate it. Um, you could also catch us live every normally every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles where we record. Live and direct. Uh, folks, that's it. We will be back next week. Like I said, same bad time. Well, no, same, not same bad time, same bad channel. Normal bad same, time. Yes, normal bad time, same bad ch- uh, channel, though. However, mm-hmm. uh, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. Oh, my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn.